Good morning. Our reading this morning comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 18 through 27. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what it was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is God's word for us today. You may be seated. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Community Church. I'm Pastor Brooks. We'll be bringing you the word this morning. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. And uh, before we get into the text, I want to draw your attention to something that hopefully you received as you came in, uh, a prayer team, those that uh, oversee the, the prayer team for the missionaries, our field staff at Grace handed some of these out. If you didn't get one of these, this is a, a prayer sheet letting you know how you can pray for our field staff. Please pick one up on your way out. Our field staff is a, is a word we use for, for our missionaries. There are brothers and sisters in Christ who uh, partner with us in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. So before we get into the text, let's just lift them up and lift the work that they're doing uh, for the Father in partnership with us together. Father, we thank you for our field staff, Lord, um, for all the various um, brothers and sisters in Christ that, uh, that are serving you, their Heavenly Father, to bring the gospel to all people in all nations. Father, it is because of your great love for them that they want to take your love to the nations. And Father, we, we intercede for them. We pray for their provision. We pray for their safety. We pray for boldness. We pray, Father, for uh, receptive hearts that would receive the word of God um, wherever they are serving, Lord, to, to bring you glory so that on that day of the wedding feast of the Lamb that many souls would worship you and celebrate together from all nations. And Lord, we here in this room, we thank you for being our good, good father. And we thank you that we are loved by you. And that is who we are. Father, would you use the word of God uh, this morning to speak to our hearts and to remind us who we are? Or for those who are not yet in Christ, Father, that they would become uh, your children born again today. In your name we pray. Amen. So that song that, uh, that we sang, Good, Good Father, it is, as, uh, as Zach said, it's an identity statement. He says, you are a, the, the, the chorus goes, you are a good, good father. It's who you are, and I am loved by you. That's who I am. That's who 
I am. We're going to take a look at this scripture here. This is where we left off last week. Of his own will, he brought us forth. Who brought us forth? The Father. Why? Because he's good. And it pleased us, pleased him rather to bring us into a relationship with him. That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Here's, here's what this means. God in his sovereign will called you forth as a child of God and adopted you as a son, as adopted you as a daughter. What happened in this, because of what Jesus did on his death, his burial, his resurrection, he atoned for my sins, for your sins. Therefore, any penalty that I would receive or you would receive, Christ himself paid. And furthermore, it's more than that, that Christ imputed or granted or gifted you his righteous achievement. So you receive, I receive the merit of Christ. And in receiving that, we are adopted in him. We are, we are no longer, the wrath of God no longer remains on us, but rather we've received his grace. We've received his, 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 his love. And we are now new creations in Christ. If you're in Christ this morning, you're his beloved child. That's who you are. That's who you are. And because of that, you're free. You're free. You are absolutely free in Christ. Now, here's a question. Free to do what? Free to do what? That's the question. Free to do what? You are free in Christ to become the kind of person that God designed you to be. You're free to become a kind of first fruits of his, crea- of his creatures. You're free to bear fruit. Now, here's a question, though. Here's a question. What happens? What happens when someone who is free in Christ still lives as if they're not free in Christ? What happens when someone who's free lives as if they're still a slave to sin? Well, that's a metaphorical question. It's a spiritual question, but there is a historical reality, which is not a metaphor. It is, in fact, a historical event, and that is Juneteenth. By the way, it's sad that I didn't know what Juneteenth was until about five years ago. Juneteenth is a, is a, is a celebration of the emancipation of those who were enslaved in the transatlantic slave trade here in the United States of America. Now, the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, Abraham Lincoln declared, he got it passed, and, and by the way, have you ever seen the movie Lincoln? Excellent, excellent movie. It kind of walks through how that came about. But the slaves in the South didn't actually experience that proclamation, that declarative freedom, until two and a half years later. So Juneteenth is a celebration of the declaration when the, when the Union general came into, oh, what city was it here? I got it written down. See, my history is not that great. Never learned this in, in school back when I was growing up. So it uh, what doesn't matter what city. Was it Houston? No, it's Galveston. Sorry, Galveston. 1865, the Union soldiers roll in, took control of the state, and then the troops arrived full two and a half years later, and then declared to those African-Americans there that you're free. You're free. They'd been living as slaves even though they had been declared legally to be free, but they didn't know it. The reason people act as if they're slaves is one of a couple different reasons. Number one, 
They haven't been set free. They're still dead in their sin. They're still slaves to sin. Or they've been set free from their sin and they've forgotten that. Or they've never been told. They've never been told. What James is going to do today in the text is he is going to announce through the law of liberty that we have in fact been set free. We have been set free. Now, some of you, you may be living as if you're still a slave. And for some of you, that you need a reminder. For others of you, you are still a slave in your sin. You haven't been set free in Christ because you've never received Christ. For you, today is the day of emancipation. If the Spirit of God would move in you and you would receive the Word of God humbly and meekly, you would be set free. But that's what we're going to look at. Two things. Number one, the fruit of freedom, the outworking of faith. If you're free in Christ this morning, we ought to walk as if we're free. The second thing we're going to look at is the inworking of that faith. So there's an evidence of faith, that's the outworking, and then there's the inworking of faith, that which produces the fruit. So we're going to take a look at those two things. So let's take a look. Open your Bibles to James chapter 1. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person, let every person be quick to hear. Quick to hear. How many of you dads on Father's Day are quick to hear? Not many, me neither. That's, that's a very convicting passage for me. Be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. There's a correlation between those who are hot-tempered and those who speak quickly. I know this from experience. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. What we have here is the fruit, the fruit of the inworking of our faith. This is what it looks like to receive the word of God. In James 19 through 21, what we see here is the gospel should produce an inward effect. The gospel lived out, if you're free in Christ and I'm free in Christ, it should produce an inward character transformation. So those of us, and I'm including myself, who are quick to speak and very quick to become angry, the Holy Spirit should produce in us a spirit of meekness and humility where we realize that this anger does not bring about the righteousness of God, and we grow over time to learn to keep our mouths shut and to actually seek to understand the people that we're irritated with and seek to minister to them and therefore become slow to speak and quick to listen. There's an inward character transformation. This is the evidence of something that's taken place at a heart level. So what, what we're seeing here, the fruit of freedom is evidence. It's an outworking of the faith. It's an outworking of faith. So we see this inward work. Now, skip ahead to the last portion of the, the scripture that we're covering this morning Don't worry, we'll get to the middle part because that's the key that unlocks the entire book of James. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, there's that mouth again. There's that mouth again. But deceives his heart, this person's religious religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. What we have here is the evidence of faith is the gospel should have an outward 
expression as well. Now, that's unpacked. What we have in verse 26 and 27 gives us essentially a rough outline of what we're going to see through the rest of the book of James. James is going to come back and he's going to talk to us about specifically the tongue, the power of the tongue, the power of words, and and, and how we ought to bridle that, to control it. Then he's going to move on to the, uh, the aspect of the outworking of our faith in caring for those who are marginalized, those who have no power, those who are set aside in, in, in their community and, and by, by uh, transference in our community. And then what it looks like to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's essentially what we're going to cover through the rest of the book of James. So here's what he's saying. Listen, if you have that implanted word that's in your heart, it ought to bear fruit. It ought to bring about an inward change of meekness, a humility that causes you to be able to be uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become anger. And it ought to have an outworking that takes takes a, takes an effect or, or impacts the community, especially those who are marginalized without power. And if in, and if your faith doesn't do that, you're deluded and you're deceived. So that's where James is going. So that's the outworking. That's what freedom looks like from those who are watching the Christian community. Or rather, let me, let me, let me say this, that's what it should look like for, for the world and for us to look at one another. This is the fruit that we ought to see. This is the fruit that we ought to see. Now, James is a realist. James is intensely practical, probably more so maybe than Paul. Paul tends to, you go deep in theology, and that's good. James just gets right to the, how are you living your faith out? Are you living your faith out? He's very, very practical. James reads similar to the book of Proverbs. It's often been called the the wisdom literature of the New Testament. So that's the fruit. That's what it looks like. Now let's, let's pull the soil back. Let's dig. Let's dig, and let's take a look at the root. What produces? What produces that fruit? What produces that fruit? Back to verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by what? Just read it. By the word of truth. Now, that's the gospel. We covered this last week. That's the the word of truth is the declaration that Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of man. He didn't come to be served, but to become a servant. And, And the atonement for our sins. So he conquered sin and death. That's the gospel. We were brought forth into this new life we have in Christ, born again into the kingdom by the word of truth, that we should be kind of first fruits for all of of his creatures. Now, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Covered that just a second ago. Verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And here it is, receive with meekness the what? The implanted word. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, what is the implanted word? What's he referring to? Don't overthink it. What's the text say? What's verse 18 say? The implanted word is the word of truth which brought us forth. They're the same thing. They're equivalent phrases. He's building on that. He's building on that. Now, what's the disposition that you and I have to be in to, 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 be, uh, to benefit from this, this imparted word? What's the text say in verse 21? Receive it with what? What kind of heart? 
Meekness. What is meekness? Meekness is another word for humility. The humble person receives the word of God with a sense of, I really need this. I cannot do without this. The humble person, when they look at the word of God, they see need. When they look at themselves, they see need. And when they look at Christ, they see, one, see someone who provides that need. So to receive with meekness. I shouldn't put these in my pocket. The older I get, the more I need them. Okay. Uh, James here, he is an immensely practical, practical theologian. And, and what he's saying here is, he's, he's, he's saying to his readers, listen, this is how you become saved. This is how you were brought into the kingdom. And this is the word of God, which has the ability to save our souls, provided, provided we receive it, we receive it with all meekness. That's the disposition that's required. That's, that, that first of all is your initial conversion. So for those of you who are in Christ, at some point in time, you might remember the specific day. You might remember the specific day. You trusted in Christ for the salvation of your souls. You trusted Christ. You recognized, Lord, I am a sinner. You recognize that Jesus Christ is a savior. And you cried out to him in humility, Lord Jesus, I need you, save me. And that's your spiritual birthday. That's when you became born again. Some of you, you know that's what you believe. You don't remember the day. You don't remember your birthday spiritually. But you're still born again. But you still receive the word of God with meekness. You still receive the word of God. Some of you have not yet received the word of God with meekness. You come to church and you hear the word of God preached and you think to yourself, yeah, it's all the same. They're just telling me how to live a good life. No, we're not. I'm not telling you how to live a good life. The scriptures say none of, none of us are good. We're all unrighteous. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's the gospel. It's free. Receive it. And the Spirit of God wants to move in you to humbly receive that and receive the grace that God has to give. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. But as we continue to read here, we discover a problem. We discover a problem. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This is a major theme in the book of James. Be, do not be just, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. There is a type of person who considers themselves to be religious. There's a type of person that considers themselves to be, uh, to, to be doing what Christ expects. And, and what, what does James say? They are what? Hearers only. This is the person who loves to hear a good sermon. They love to hear a good podcast. They love to read a good book. They love the feeling of being convicted. They love, they love it when the preacher cries and they love to, to be made to cry. They love it when the preacher makes them laugh because they love to laugh. And then when they get in their car and they drive away, nothing changes. They're hearers only. What James is saying is, don't be that person. Because if you're that person and you think you're walking with God, you are deceiving yourselves. That is a problem. Now, here's an even bigger problem. Here's an even bigger problem. When James is writing to these individuals, they're getting together on a weekly basis. It's a, they live in small Christian communities. 
they didn't have necessarily hundreds and hundreds of people in the same gathering place worship. They probably had maybe a dozen or dozens of people. And so they knew one another. So they were together regularly. And they would hear the word of God proclaimed with one another weekly. Here in the United States, if you're a super ninja committed Christian, you're in church twice a month at best. So your sum total of hearing is 90 minutes a month. That's not even what James is talking about. He's talking about those who love to sit under the teaching. Now, they didn't have uh, Bibles like access like we had. So you had to hear it read or you had to memorize it. So in this case, you have individuals who are hearing it possibly weekly and they love to hear it, but they, there's, there's no fruit. There's nothing happening. He says they're deceived. That's a problem. He says, don't be that person. Don't be that person. Now let's dig here because this is where, this is the key that unlocks the entire book of James. The problem explained. Let's take a look here. Ah, there we go. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, whether it's twice a month, whether it's four times a month, whether it's I listen to it every day, doesn't matter the frequency. So we're not concerned necessarily about frequency. Anyone is a hearer. He is like a man. This is crucial. Listen. Oops, read carefully. Dang it. My eye doctor is sitting right over there. He's just shaking his head. He says, Brooks, that's why I got you a different prescription of contacts. That's why I have a different pair of glasses. And here I am with readers, right? So anyway, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he's like. He's a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. How many of you looked in the mirror before you came to church this morning? How many of you didn't look in the mirror before you came to church? I can tell. <laughs> All right. So you look in the mirror you see that, that face, and then you make appropriate changes. For the ladies, you put on some makeup. For the guys, you shave. For some of you that are just, there's beyond hope, you just walked away and you just forget it. It's not even worth it. So but the point is you look in the mirror so that you can implement some kind of change, right? So, so this person who hears the word, but they're not a doer, they look in the mirror and they walk away. And what, is, what happens in verse, verse 24? And it once forgets, what he was like. Forgets what he was like. Now, now read verse 25. Let's read it together. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Okay, so James is making a contrast. The person who looks into the mirror and walks away and immediately forgets what he forgets what he's seen or he or she has seen, and the person who looks into the law of liberty, this mirror, and they walk away and they don't forget what they've seen. Now, this is tricky. Let me tell you how I used to read this passage. How many of you were here the first time I preached through James? About five people. Okay, that was 2001. It was a long time ago. When I, I don't want to go back and listen to the sermon because I would be embarrassed if I listened to it. Uh, but what I told everyone was essentially this. Here's, here's what I thought this meant. I thought that this meant 
that what we're to do as those who don't want to be hearers only, but doers of the word, we're supposed to look into the Bible, see what it says, look in the mirror, I'm not doing what it says, and do what it says. In other words, Brooke, stop being dumb. I've already told you how to live your life. Just, just do it. I thought it was a Nike slogan. Just do it. Do it. What is it? Whatever it says. Don't forget. Look in the Word. The Word says do this. Be slow to anger. Be uh, quick to listen. Be slow to speak. I thought, it was, I thought James was saying, well, you know what it says, dummy? Just, just do it. Some of you are like, well, that's what it says, right? Well, that's what I thought for about 20 years until recently, until I started to dig apart this word, until I started to listen to others. I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's look at the text. For what do you, Penny, 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 let, me, let me ask you, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? It's not a trick question. Yourself, right. So James says, the person who is a hearer only what do they forget? What they look like. Then he, he immediately makes a transition. For he looks at himself, goes away, and forgets what he's like. Verse 25. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. What are you looking into now? The word of God. What are you seeing? Law of liberty. That's a crucial phrase. The law of liberty. What's the law of liberty do? What's the law of liberty do? It's not a trick question. What's the law of liberty? Liberty means what? To be free. So the law of liberty does what? Sets you free. Now, some of you theologians, you don't like James. Because James seems to like, we'll get to this in about three weeks when we're talking about James and Paul. It's like, wait a minute, the law, the law, the law enslaves the law. Nobody's freed from the law. No, nobody is freed from the law, but... James gives it a title. He calls it the law of liberty. What's he talking about? I want you to think this through. What sets a person free? The gospel sets a person free. What is the law of liberty? Work it backwards here. The law of liberty, the law of liberty is referring to what we see in verse 21. What does he say in verse 21? Verse 21. Receive with meekness the implanted word. What's the implanted word? See verse 18. The word of truth. The law of liberty is the law of Christ. It's the gospel. So what he's saying is not open your Bible and do what it says. Yes, he is saying that. But there's a key that unlocks the chains which holds you back from doing the word of God and being acting as if you're free. And that is this, you and I keep looking into the law of liberty and soon as we go out of here, we forget who we are in Christ. By the time you get in your parking lot and you're headed to Bluebird or Village Inn or wherever you go home and eat, by the time you get to your Father's Day brunch, there is a high probability that you will forgot, you have forgotten that you are loved by God and that's who you are. How do I know this to be true? Because I catch myself forgetting. I catch myself forgetting all the time. 
And I need to be reminded. I need to strive to remember who I am. And how do I remember who I am? I gaze intently into the law of liberty who says, Brooks, this is who you are. Brooks, this is who your father is. And you are deeply loved by him. That's who you are. But here's what pseudo-religious people or hearers only do. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got saved back in 1988. What do I have to do? I need to do that. And sometimes you forget who you are and consequently you'll never be able to do. And so you, you become a hearer only. And that's, that's about as far as you ever get. You, you hear good sermons or bad sermons. You read the word of God. You feel convicted. You know I ought to do this, but you don't really. And you're frustrated. And so you settle, you settle. You settle for one of two things. You kind of wave your hands and say, you know what, I'll never be perfect in Christ and I just quit. Or you dumb down what the Bible says and you start to live an outward conformity to, to these, these things which you do religious stuff. But your religion is worthless. It doesn't really produce fruit. It just produces busyness. And you see a lot of that in the body of Christ. Why? Because people have forgotten. They look into the word of God and they, they immediately go away and they forget who they are in Christ. They forget who they are in Christ. James is saying they've forgotten something. They've forgotten something. The law in verse 25, the law of liberty, is equal to the word, which is in verse 25, which is identical to the word of truth in verse 18. Okay, now how do we respond to this? How do we respond to this? First of all, receive the implanted word with meekness. Humbly come before the word of God and let it tell you two things. Let it tell you who God is. The word of God says that God is holy. He's perfect. He's without sin. He's impartial. He judges the righteous. He judges the wicked. No sin can come before a holy God. Let it tell you who God is. Let it also tell you who you are. Now, here's the thing about the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. If you receive it with meekness, here's the thing about the law of liberty. It's sharp. It has the power to cut through iron bars. It has the power to cut through change, chains which holds you captive. But it also has the power to cut your heart and cause you to bleed. So when you receive the word of God implanted in your hearts with meekness and you, you look at the law of liberty, let it cut you. Let it tell you who God is. God is a holy God and he is just and he is angry at sin. Let it also tell you the truth about yourself that, that you, apart from Christ, no good thing dwells within you. That you, apart from Christ, if you're not in Christ, you are in your sins and you are dead in sin. This is what the Bible says about all of humanity, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. That you will stand before this holy God and you will give an account for every thought every action and every deed and everything you should have done, but you didn't do. And you will be judged for that if you are not in Christ. Let the law of liberty cut you. Let it convict. But don't stop there. Let the law of liberty cut through the sin that holds you, that enslaves you. And let the law of liberty point 
to the liberator, Christ, who took all of that sin upon himself. Let the law of liberty show you who you are apart from Christ, but show you who you could be in Christ. Forgiven. Set free. Adopted as a son. An heir of all things in Christ. A new creation. Let the law of liberty show you who God created you to be. Now, some of you have not yet received Christ. So what does that mean this morning? It means this morning in meekness, cry out to God and say, God, I'm ready. I've always looked at the Bible and thought it was a book of how to be, what to do. And I got it all wrong. But I see that what it is is what you've done. That when Christ was on the cross, he uttered these words before he died. It's finished. There's nothing for you to do except receive the free gift that Christ has offered. And that you have to approach that with humility. It's not, here's what all I've done for you. That's, that's presumptuous. You can't do anything to earn this. The position that a person has to receive, the, to receive the gospel is simply, Lord, I've done nothing except merit condemnation. So here's, here's what I bring. I bring my sin. And I receive freely the gift of salvation from you. Save me. Wash me in your blood. Make me your child. And if that is the decision that you are making today, and you are exercising faith, then you are set free in Christ. And from this moment forward, every time you look into the law of liberty, here's what it will say who you are. You are loved by God. That's who you are. He said, but yeah, I still have sin. That sin is separated as far as the east is from the west. The father looks upon you and sees a beloved child in Christ. Provided you've received that word. So receive it. And then for those of you like me, you received it many years ago. For some of you, not so many years ago, but it's a past tense thing. It happened. It defined who you are. But if you're honest with yourself, you forget who you are. You forget who you are. I would exhort you to look into the mirror, the word of God, the law of liberty, and remember who you are in Christ. Remember who you are in Christ because you'll forget And remember what you see. Remember what you see. We're going to celebrate communion this morning. So if you didn't receive the, uh, the cup and the bread, please uh, raise your hand and we'll make sure that the, uh, the ushers get those for you. But just a couple words before we go to communion. I want to ask a very, very personal question. And for some of you, this is going to be painful. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Yeah, it's you. What, here's what I mean. Who are you? What do you see? Describe yourself to yourself. Here's how some of you describe yourself. I'm a screw-up. I know what I ought to do, and all I do is I just, I fail. I fail. I I know the good that I ought to do, but the good that I don't do, or the good that I, I, I just don't do it. I, I, I feel like Paul in Romans 7. I, I'm just a screw-up. I'm just a screw-up. You know, that's an honest assessment. But look beyond yourself. And what does Christ say about who you are? If you're in Christ, you're not an idiot. You've, you've heard me call myself an idiot repeatedly from the pulpit, I'm not an idiot. I act like an idiot often. 
But that's not who I am. That's not who you are. Who are you? Regardless of the failure that's looking back at you, look past the failure and look to the Father. And look at what the law of liberty says about who you are in Christ. That's the key that will unlock. Unlock whether or not you and I bear fruit from this point going forward. That's why Paul, on a regular basis, that's why Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, so that we could pause and we could look back and we could look into the law of liberty and remember what he has done to set us free. Paul says to the church in Corinth, For what I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup, and after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. So as the praise team leads us in a song of worship here, just reflect on what the Lord says about who you are in Christ. Now at Grace, we practice open communion. What does that mean? It means that if you are in Christ, you are free to participate in the Lord's Supper. Now, some of you are not in Christ. Today is the day that you could come to Jesus. And we invite you to come to the Lord's table as your first communion as a follower of Christ. Receive that free gift of grace and let him set you free. So meditate, thank God who you are in Christ. Look into that mirror. And if you see a failure staring back, if you see someone who is just steeped in sin, confess those sins to the Lord and receive the free grace and the forgiveness that comes through Christ. And then we'll come back and take the elements corporately together.